Good morning, church. It's great to be here to get today, worshiping with you guys, and worshiping at a, a time that is dear to us, 10 o'clock. Uh, this is a time that we're very familiar with uh, here, uh, a time that we have not been familiar with the past couple years with having a 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock service, uh, but it is. It's always awesome to worship God together. Uh, just a quick note, I want to remind you guys, we will worship again next week at 10 a.m. We won't be here. We'll be at the Urban Convention Center. Uh, we are having or we're hosting a youth and family ministers workshop next week. So we're going to have over 250 youth ministers, uh, parents of teens that uh, volunteer. Uh, that We're going to be here in Dallas uh, equipping themselves so they can go back home uh, and really uh, just charge the parents, the children, uh, to be awesome uh, for God. And so with that, we're going to have a congregational service uh, with all of us together in Irving. Uh, so that would be at 10 o'clock, and that would be an awesome time, too, that uh, every year we have our Hope Day of Giving. Uh, so we got our golf tournament here in two weeks uh, to raise money for that. Uh, we, last weekend, we did Stepping Up uh, for Hope. So we had people stepping and running in the rain last Saturday to raise money uh, for Hope. And as we just saw in this video uh, with our sister church in Georgia, everything that you give has a name to it. Everything you give apparently have bricks to it as well, uh, as they have a place to be able to worship together. And looking at the food that they were having, they're taking full advantage. Uh, so it is awesome uh, to see that. So uh, next weekend, next Sunday, I mean, you can also give online for the Hope Day of Giving. Uh, but the goal, we're trying to uh, raise $75 per member or $150 per couple, at least that much, to go towards not only um, other churches abroad, uh, but also right now, because with the hurricanes uh, that have been happening we want to send relief uh, for that. But I do want to take a quick moment uh, to pray uh, for those, because I know we do have family members uh, in this room uh, that were affected uh, by the hurricanes uh, as well and been displaced. So let's go to God in prayer, and we will uh, jump in the Word. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, it's awesome to have a place to worship. Uh, even though we, we don't need a building to worship because we can worship under the stars, under the beautiful sky, because you are everywhere. And I thank you for just this opportunity to, to sing praises uh, to you, to be able to pray uh, within our, our small groups, be able to cry out to you, to thank you for how you continue to manifest yourself in our lives. I do want to take a, a special time to pray for our friends and family uh, in the Florida area and in the southeast. Some have been displaced. Uh, some, their homes uh, are, are underwater, and the water is receding, but much of what they had has been destroyed. I do thank you uh, for the saints around the world who always answer the call uh, when our brothers and friends and sisters are in need. I do uh, want to pray for uh, just the, the recuperation of Panama City in that area, that the prayers that we pray, uh, that they will feel peace, that our friends and family will feel peace during this uh, crazy time. 
But I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you for the good news. Because even when our home is underwater, we still have good news. Because your son Jesus died for our sins and gave us new life. We love you. And all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. The gospel. When you think about the gospel and the good news, what comes to mind? Jesus. I think about reconciliation. I think about forgiveness. I think about old life being transformed to a new life. These are all things that may come to mind when we think about the gospel. But as you guys mentioned, the main theme of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Amen. We can't tell the story of the gospel without Jesus, the Son of God, being included. And what I want to focus on today, I was sharing earlier, is that sometimes when we share and when we invite our friends, I know at least with me, sometimes I forget to talk about the gospel. I forget to talk about Jesus. I tell them about our awesome church and our diversity. I tell them about, you know, people that that love the word of God, people that I've known for the last 28 years of my life. So a lot of times I focus more on you guys, which you guys are awesome. You look around, you're like, okay, I see why. But we forget the only reason we are who we are is because of Jesus and what what he has done for us and what he continues to do for us. So I'm, I'm having this paradigm shift in my mind. It's like, when I'm reaching out, am I sharing about Jesus? Am I connecting my family, my, my, my spiritual family, am I bringing it back to Jesus? And I pray as our time today, I mean, many of you guys are, are very good about sharing the gospel when you reach out to people. But some of you guys are just like me. You invite them to Bible talk. You invite them to a service. You invite them to this. You invite them to that. And then we sometimes forget the very reason why we have what we have. But by the end of our time today, I pray that all of us will have the conviction and have the motivation and be inspired about what Jesus has done in our life. So the first question I have for you, and just to think among yourself, is how would you describe the good news? You know, if you was in the elevator with Donald Trump, you're on the floor 10 and you're going down to floor one and you got about 30 seconds to tell him about the gospel, what would you say? You know, what are some of the, the, the main points of the gospel that come to your mind? And as you think about that, I want you guys to turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Because this is a, a question that I asked a group of people earlier, and they had that deer in the headlight look, like, how do, you des- how do we describe the gospel? And how do we describe it in 30 seconds? How do we describe it in, in 30 minutes? How do you describe what a God that created this earth and that has been our father for centuries, for millennia, how do you describe that in just 30 seconds? But here in Titus chapter 2, in verse 11, you hear Paul kind of describing in a nutshell the gospel to Titus. 
He says there in verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, not just in the future, but right now. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This passage here is chalked full of the main tenets of the gospel, right? Of some of the things that you guys may have even thought of when I asked the question is, how would you describe the gospel? It includes Jesus, and it includes us. It includes what happens between the relationship of Jesus and us. He started off by talking about the grace of God. Because the grace of God is awesome, amen? And the grace of God has many different facets. You got the grace of God in Jesus Christ. You got the grace of God of just waking up this morning. You got the grace of God of of having a new boyfriend and a new girlfriend. You have the grace of God of sending your kids off to college. You have the grace of God for some when they come back. Many of y'all are like, no, that's not grace from God, right? (laughs) It depends, right? It depends. You got the grace of God of seeing your children baptized in the Lord. You see the grace of God of seeing your parents added to God's kingdom. And we have the ultimate grace of God when we have the opportunity to say no to ungodliness and to have the blood of Jesus wash us and take away all of our sins and be made admitted. So many rich facets of the gospel. But the question, and the question that I ask myself is, how well am I at articulating that gospel when I'm reaching out to people? Because this is the question, right? What are you presenting to the people of this world? What are you presenting? Are you presenting a, a building? Like, oh, it's, it's a pretty cool building, but it's not that nice, right? That's not the good news. It's awesome. We got a place. And the AC runs. You know, the chairs are relatively soft, right? But that's not, that's not what we're here to present to people. And as I mentioned earlier, you may present the diversity, the diversity of our group. We got people from different walks of life. But that's, that's not it. It's Jesus Christ. But then I asked the question, even I looked in my own life this week, is that how often did I present Jesus Christ when I was reaching out to people? I do it all the time when I study the Bible with people. When formally I sit down and open up the scriptures, I'm presenting Jesus then. But when I go work out, which I didn't do this past week, so that probably was probably part of my problem, right? But when we go out, are we presenting Jesus to others? Because that's where it all comes. But one of the things, that one of the most helpful things when it comes to the gospel, and I pray that we all can walk away with, 
is that what did the gospel do to you? What did Jesus do for you? Because we got the rest of the world and, and, and how he affects the world. But a lot of times people don't really care about that, right? They want to know how it affected you because their story or your story can end up relating to their story. So my, my, my first direction, my first point when it comes to telling about the gospel is telling about how it changed you. And if you guys could turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you know, I'm going to take a quick moment how the gospel has changed me. You know, many of you guys uh, have heard part, at least a portion of my story. But uh, I, I was very, I'm very grateful that uh, I was able to hear about the gospel at a young age. At the age of, you know, 10, 11, 12, I was hearing about the good news of Christ. But then at the age of 14 is when it came face to face with just me. Because the gospel is not just facts, right? It's not just a whole bunch of timelines. They're like, okay, you can become a disciple of Jesus if you know all the timeline of what's happening. And the Bible's like, no, it's, it's much deeper than that. And at the age of 14, I had different guys like Fred Height and Steve Hooper sit down with me and say, okay, let's see what Jesus Christ means to you, little Clint. Right? And I got to learn what Jesus did for me. I got to learn that no matter where you are in life, if you can understand and embrace faith and follow Jesus, you can have life to the full. And then I think about what the cross has done for me. What is the gospel? What is the good news have done for me? You know, in a time in college when I was just bombing out, already supposed to be following Jesus, supposed to be excellent in everything that I do, I failed out of college, the college that I was in, the College of Engineering. Straight failed out of it. I ask you guys this question, is a 1.7 GPA good? No. Correct. You don't have to Google that one, right? It's bad. And I found out how bad it was when they escorted me out of the College of Engineering, right? But the grace of God, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ is that someone sat down with me and told, hey, Clint, you can't live life like this and expect people to follow you to Christ. So a tough conversation ended up being how the gospel had ended up helping me because Jesus even when things are tough and even when we mess up and do some foolish things, he's still there asking, hey, are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to change your ways? And prayerfully or thankfully, I ended up repenting because I was forced to and getting out of the College of Engineering, but ended up getting my degree and getting a job, being able to make some money, which was awesome. Because if I did not change, I don't know if my wife would, would want me, <laughs> right? She said, I can't, I can't be marrying a failure, right? I know, she didn't say that, no. Amen. <laughs> she, might, she might have thought it, but she didn't say it, right? But just how you think about put yourself 
in light of the gospel, of the different things, the different ways that God has helped you, be it substance abuse, be it womanizing, or finding all your worth through what a man has to say, finding all your worth through your education or through your occupation or career, and how Jesus is like, no. Life is much bigger than all those things because all those things can be taken away from you just like that. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our convictions, no one can take that. No hurricane, no famine, no drought, none of those things can take it away, amen? So how has the gospel changed you? Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says this, to the, third, to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you have become so dear to us. Paul understood how important a story plays when it comes to convicting and helping people follow Jesus. He understood that if people could understand and see how Jesus helps you, that, okay, maybe Jesus can help me in that way too. Maybe Jesus can help me overcome this sin. Maybe Jesus can help me with pornography. Maybe Jesus can help me in my greed, in my selfishness, in my pride. Maybe he can. You know, you think about what's something that Jesus has helped you overcome that your neighbor needs to hear. That your family needs to hear. Your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your cousins. Because uh, just a little bit of good news. You know, we, we have a baptism uh, later on today. And, you know, family is always dear to us, right? I mean, family is awesome. Uh, you think about it, a few months ago, uh, Marvie was able to baptize her mom in the faith. And anytime, anytime family comes to Christ, that's just an awesome place in our heart. But imagine this. Imagine becoming a disciple some 20 years ago, and you've been reaching out to a, a particular family member for years. And, you know, the holidays, you're like, okay, during Christmas, I'm going to talk to so-and-so about this. I'm going to talk to so-and-so about that. And I'm like, because this is going to be the year that they come to faith in Jesus. And uh, we got a sister in uh, the Southwest region, Shara Sajay. She became a disciple at, on the UTA campus uh, back in the late 90s. I think it was in 98 or 99. And she's been a disciple for uh, 20 years now. And she's been reaching out to her mom, reaching out to her dad, praying for him. But then she came to the point where she was like, you know what? I'm pushing too hard. Because you ever have that sometimes? You're like, you want something so bad that you start pushing them away by trying too hard? She felt that that's what was happening with, between her and her relationship with her mother. So in the Southwest region, this year has been a year of focusing on prayer. And that was one of her impossible prayers, is that, uh, to be able to baptize her mom. And so that started back in January, and one day when she finally surrendered, she was going over to talk to her mom, you know, to spend some time with her. She was like, hey, if my mom brings it up, 
brings up the church or Jesus or the Bible, then I'll talk about it. But I'm not going to I'm not going to be proactive this time. And guess what happened? Her mom brought it up. Right. Isn't, isn't that how God works sometimes when we surrender, when we take a step back? He's like, OK, now I got room to work. And they ended up studying the Bible, introducing her to, to other women her age that loved up on her. And the awesome thing is at 1.30 today, Shower's mom will be baptized into the Lord. Amen? Now, you think about that. How the gospel works, how the good news works, how humility works, how surrendering to God works. It's not about how hard we try. It's how hard we truly pray for God in the work that he wants to do. And then what does he do when we pray? He gives us direction. He gave her the direction. Hey, you need to, you need to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, you're, you're a little too overbearing. And sometimes that's just the way we are, right? Sometimes we're, we're just a little much. I know. They was like, hey, as long as you ain't making eye contact with nobody, amen. Amen. <laughs> I know. We're talking about ourselves, right? John said, I'm talking about me, right? He said, I'm talking about me, brother. But you, you think about how the gospel has changed you. People love comeback stories, right? People love when the, the, the Rudy, you know, the Rockies, the fill in the blank with other good names of people who come back, right? You know, we can put all of our names in that, too. Because it was a point in time where we didn't know Jesus, where we didn't know about the lights of Christ, where ungodliness was a, a figment of our imagination because we were in it. But Paul says here, one of the ways that you can truly help someone out is you share the gospel, but you share your life with them. When was the last time you thought about the blessings that you received because of Jesus. You know, when was the last time you thought about what God has done for you? And you think about the Apostle Paul. You know, I saw the, the movie uh, that they made a few months ago. And, you know, sometimes when you look at his life, you think, man, this dude got beat up multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was naked, without food, without water. And you're like, wait a second now, Paul. I don't know if you want to talk about all that, right? They might not show up, right? But what does he end up doing? He don't point people just to his life. He point how I was able to overcome because of Christ. All those different things happen, but Jesus is still front and foremost. You think about this. The gospel has the power to change lives. It's not a magic pill. It's a process. And we have plenty of people that are around us that are looking for that process. But you think, why did Paul, why was Paul so eager to share his life with people? Because he wanted to make that connection. Make that connection between the hardships of life and where Jesus and God are still there. You think about those that have been displaced in Florida. You think about the Inslees. Marco and Shamika, who had their home destroyed by a tornado three years ago. 
Lisa Inslee, their daughter, she was sharing about it at the New Christians luncheon uh, this past Sunday. She was like, our tornado ended up being the good news for me because it destroyed their home. And what ended up happening? People in this room ended up showing up to their house, helping them out, helping clearing out the different things. And that ended up being the thing that helped point them back to Jesus. Paul understood that. He understood is that even when travesty happens, when tragedy happens, that we can always see Christ, amen? But the thing that most people were thinking, okay, the gospel is good for you. The gospel is good for all those churchgoers, right? But how is the gospel going to be good for me? I want to turn back to Titus chapter 2. Because this is the part that we can help people out. Because vices are a real thing in our life, right? Vices are things that end up hamstringing people. Where they feel that they can't move forward because they're paralyzed. But this is what we can tell the people that we're reaching out to. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 again. Just verse 11 and 12 this time. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to do what? Live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is what people are looking for. They're looking. People want to have integrity. People want to be able to speak the truth and not to be afraid of the different things that they've done in the dark. People want it. I'm going to tell you guys a little story. I was very amazed by a a young man by the name of Jonah Wolf this past week. Uh, You guys may know uh, Chad and Lori Wolf. They've been here in the church for for decades. And their oldest son, you know, they have five kids, five real kids, right? And uh, Jonah is the oldest of five. And I had the opportunity to to sit on his Eagle Board review, Review this past Tuesday in Boy Scouts. Right, so the Eagle Scouts, that's the highest when it comes to Boy Scouts. So I got to sit in front of this 15-year-old boy, surrounded by five or six other grown men. I'm the youngest of the six guys, and he had to defend his integrity as an Eagle Scout. And I was amazed. I was like, this guy is 15 years old. And he's talking about the, 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 the scout motto, the scout law. He had to defend himself or how not only did he lead in the scouts, but how did he lead at home? Because he got a little troop at the house too, right? <laughs> and I was so amazed about his integrity. I was so amazed about how in touch he was with his strengths and his weaknesses. 15-year-old boy, and I'm 38 years old, and there's some things I'm still not in touch with, right? But one of the things that really came to mind is that he has this expectation for Eagle Scouts. What is our expectation in our walk with Christ? When our fellowship of Jesus and him being Lord of our life, this gospel Like Paul said, it was not without effect in my life. 
in our life, if we were to examine one another, we're going to put five of your peers or I guess yeah, your mentors in front of you. And they're just going to try to poke holes in what you've been doing since you've been a scout. They're going to try to poke holes on your quiet times or lack thereof. They're going to try to poke holes on your dependence on God through prayer, which that's one where they can get me on. Poke holes on your fellowship and your dedication to the fellowship. Poke holes on is the gospel really the thing that motivates you in your walk with God. I was amazed by Jonah, but I was convicted that, man, we should be much more excellent because of what Christ does in our life. For what he has done, what he has saved us from, or what he is trying to save us from, that sometimes we just need to get out of the way so he can save us from it. And I think about this scripture. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, I'm going to read the, uh, a different version of it. It says here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. He says one thing, live your life in such a way that's in the light of the gospel of Christ. Live your life in such a way when when people see you, when see people hear about you, when your coworkers see you respond, when your family sees your faith, they're like, wow, I just want to praise God. It's good news because the good news is not just that in the Bible, right? Good news is happening every day here in our cities, in our house churches. The good news is happening. He says, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean for you right now? What does that mean for you to live a life worthy of? of the manner of the gospel of Christ. Guys, we have a gift. We have a gift in Jesus, and we have a gift in the life that he's given you, the life that he's provided you. Living here in America with all the opportunities in the world. Now, what are you going to do with the gift that God has given you? Now, the awesome thing, the people that are in this room right now, they're here because someone, bless you, someone was thankful for the gift that they received from Christ. My question is, is who else is, who's the next person? Who's the next mom that's going to get baptized? Who's the next coworker that's going to be able to follow Jesus? Who's going to be the next person that's going to be cleared? change taken off of them so they could live a life free from Christ. I end with this. What's the good gospel recipe? You got to start with Jesus, right? We must start with Jesus and what he's done for mankind, what he's done for this world that we can read about in the Bible. But also, it transcends beyond the Bible. 
The second recipe is what did the Jesus do for you? What did he do? What is he doing? What does he want to do? But then after talking about Jesus, after talking about the effect of the gospel on you, let them know how it can affect them. How you can help them and where they are in life. How you can help transform them when they start worshiping God with all their heart, mind, soul, and spirit. I end with this quote by uh, Charles Stanley. He says, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Savior. Yet we're busy and full of excuses. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you, you've had when you met that person or the joy you'll have when you meet the person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. He said, we, if we power through right now, if we power through the excuses, if we power through wanting or not wanting to open in our mouth and to share that one day in heaven, one day, you're going to see somebody. And they probably going to come and squeeze you so hard. They might break your back, but we're in heaven, right? <laughs> you know, we can, we can heal it just like that. That's going to be an awesome time. Who's, who, who's that next person that's waiting for that ticket in heaven by your sharing? By you sharing about how the gospel has affected you. And I pray as we share Jesus as we share the effect that Jesus had in our life and make it real for the people that we're sharing with, that God will get much glory. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to take the, the bread and the fruit of wine together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I pray that we're all equipped even better about your gospel and being able to tell the great story of your son Jesus coming down on earth and living life for 33 some odd years to show us how to un overcome temptation, to show us how to, to overcome the different chains that Satan wants to throw on each and every one of us. But then died a gruesome death, a humiliating death. But then you rose him from the dead to show us that you have that same plan for us that you can take away all the sins, all the travesties, all those different things from our life and give us hope and give us peace and give us a purpose. I pray as we count our blessings this morning that we can be very persuasive to friends and family about wanting to know more about you. That the humility that we have, that we would be a mess without your word. We would be a mess without the power of prayer. We would be a mess if it wasn't for the person sitting next to us right now. But we would definitely be a mess if we didn't have the blood of Jesus to take away our sins. I pray as we take the bread and the juice today that the gospel will be real to us. That it's not just a story. It's not just a, a Dr. Seuss book. But instead, it's something that brings life and life to the full that it brings change, and that it brings freedom. We love you. We thank you. 
and all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.